The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... Oh, yes, baby. We give a little shine to the Sacramento Kings, who put up 127 points on that motherfucking head. Yes, sir, on the on the NBA team with the second-best defensive rating in the league, 127 on that head. I'm going to break down, are they good? Are they fun? Does it even matter? Also, big n- league news on the Nets. Passing over Ime Udoka for Jacques Vaughn. You know I'm going to have thoughts on that. We thought we could do an emergency episode because the hiring of Ime Udoka was quote-unquote imminent. Guess like it was not. And NBA expansion in Mexico? A lot shit popping, Nick. Drop that beat. We are opening the show with the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings. Yes. And it's not because they're a dumpster fire. No, it's not. It is because they beat up on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Kings. The Kangs. The Kangs. Just put 127 on a healthy, that's important, a fully healthy, fully loaded Cleveland Cavaliers team in sack, the number two best team in the league with the second best defense in the league, just got 127 points on their heads. Gotta love basketball. That comes on the heels of losses that should have been wins uh, against Golden State Miami. Well, I mean, they were wins, but they were losses. You know what I mean? They had to admit, NBA had to say, we stole those wins from the Kings. We stole them. Yep, last two minutes. Yep, that was a travel. Last two minutes. Yep, that was a foul. Two blown calls that cost the Kangs wins. I count them both as victories. Yeah. I watched the entirety of that Cavs game. And let me tell you. One, I was supposed to be asleep. Two, what does it tell you that I wasn't? You know what I mean? 
I am committed to making sure that I get my beauty rest. And I didn't last night. Why? Because of the Kangs. Uh, I live tweeted it. I don't even live tweet my Portland Trailblazers. How about that? What does that tell you? I don't even say Dame time. No, it's sleep sleep time for me. I'll watch that shit the next day. Come on now. The Kings right now, why do I love them? Have I been indoctrinated? Have I been somehow brainwashed because of 1320 ESPN, my friends, my brothers? No. I think they're fun. Very fast-paced team. You got Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox, brothers from another mother from Kentucky. They're just like peas and carrots, like ketchup and mustard, like olive oil and balsamic vinegar and some little salt. Their roster, very deep. Fun. Seven players last night, or two nights ago, because you're probably listening to this on a Friday, scored 14 or more points. Seven dudes scored 14 or more. What? That is a balanced team. Guys you've never even heard of were balling. Trey Lyles, do you know what he looks like? If I asked you to tell, like, if you're not a Sacramento Kings fan right now and I asked you, how tall is Trey Lyles? What does he look like? Is he light-skinned or dark-skinned? Is he white or is he black? What What does he do? Where is he from? Do you know? You don't know. And you know what? He... All of a sudden, he's seven feet tall. He all of a sudden looks like Evan Mobley out there. Hitting three after three after three. He hit four threes. My man Trey Lyles had 16 points in 19 minutes against two All-Stars. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Chemezi Metu. Do you know what he looks like? Do you know what he is? Do you know where he comes from? Do you know how tall he is? I bet you don't. An insane dunk. An, like a little lob, like a... Like a straight line drive lob, not even like a high rainbow lob, but a straight line drive lob under the rim, Chemezi Metu, boom, dunk. Just looking awesome. Keegan Murray finding things in his game, coming to another level. He's exciting. The Kings bench outscored the Cavs 43 to 15. They had 30 assists. They're sharing the rock like no other, spreading the sugar if you will. The ball was moving. Open looks happened, and when you get those open looks, they knock them down like shooters do. Unless you're the Lakers. Unless you're the Lakers. This team came in. They had been knocked down by the Warriors. They had had a game stolen by the Miami Heat, and then they play the Cavs, and you could say that a bad team, an inexperienced team, would be like, yeah, tonight's going to probably be an L for us. They were five-and-a-half-point dogs. And you know what? They said, fuck that. We are winning tonight against the second-best team in the league. That's confident. They came out aggressive, punched them in the mouth. They took the Cavs' best shot. Fourth quarter said, no, we are rising up. And the thing is, there are people out here who say the entire game of basketball, the goal is to win. And to that I say... No, that's not the goal. This is not a utility. This is not electricity. Is this water? Like, is this like your plumbing? No. Like, basketball is not entirely built around winning games and winning the championship. Yes, that's the central goal of a team, but the central goal of the league is entertainment. 
That's why we sell tickets to it. That's why there's television and people watch it on that television or their streaming platform. If it was just a utility, then no one would give a fuck and no one would watch. No, basketball in the 1950s was a utility to get you past past war, to give you something to do. This is supposed to be fun. There's competing things you can do and watch. And the Sacramento Kings kept me from my sleep. That's how we know that they're fun. That's how we know the goal is working. Every time they got punched in the mouth, they got punched back. Big shots everywhere. Barnes, where did he come from with 20? Herder, sub bonus. We had Mike Brown in there coaching his ass off. He pushed Malik Monk physically, pushed him to the corner like no Malik. Keep running. Pass Malik Monk the ball. Corner three, swish. <sighs> Malik Monk. Yes. And Mike Brown continuing to be a better coach than anyone could have expected him to be. Let's listen to him and what he had to say because he kept Deer and Fox out of the game in the fourth quarter during crunch time, killing his prop. But you know what? It didn't matter because they won. Well, so so what we were thinking going at Davion, that group was playing well, and pause didn't even mention Davion, who was electric factory. So I was going to let that group roll, uh, but then you know, I, I I felt it was time to give not only uh, um, uh, Mitchell Donovan Mitchell a different look, but also us a different look offensively, and. You know, I thought the combination of uh, Kevin Herter and, and Malik Monk were really good on the backside of that action. They started playing games with the, you know with each other and with the defense, and and uh, so you know I, again I, I think Foxy's an All Star. Um, what we have to do to help him get there is we got to have a, a decent record, uh, but he also has to show that he's a two way player. And so for me, hey Fox, you know step up. Run the team. If you can score, score for us. But you also got to guard Donovan. This is the time to show people that you can do it. And he did. And he did. You know what? Doesn't even matter that Donovan Mitchell had 38 points in that game. Could have had 50. Honestly, Mike Brown has that much faith in Malik Monk, Donovan, or uh, Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, and others that he is willing to sit the Aaron Fox in from, from eight minutes to two minutes in the fourth quarter. Literally, he didn't come back until it was literally crunch time. I got a text late night last night after I was going insane about the Kings winning this game. It's because I was just tweeting up a storm. Stop what you're doing. Pull over. Pull over and pull your phone out and watch. What should you do? Watch the Sacramento Kings. Never tweeted that in my life, I promise you that. So I got a friend, a text from a friend late last night, and he said, are the Kings actually good, or are they just really fun? And my response to that is, at this point, I'm not sure I even care. Honestly, I do not care. All I want is that the Kings are competitive, late in games, offensively, defensively. They are gritty. They are fun to watch. And you know what? They Check, 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 check. Shout out to Mike Brown and these kids and these guys for being probably one of the funnest watches in the NBA. 
Yes, sir, it is true. Let's move on to the drama. Uh, in the latest episode, as the NBA turns, Nets edition, we have a new coach in Brooklyn, and his name is not Ime Udoka. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Uh, sheesh. I'm conflicted, I think. So on one hand, I think it's like time is a flat circle because Jacques Vaughn was probably should have gotten the job when Steve Nash did. We saw him in the bubble do a great job. They beat the Bucks as like 29 and a half point dogs, like one of the largest upsets in NBA history uh, from a betting perspective. And so to him, I'm, I'm happy for him. For Ime Udoka, what he did, I think he would have been a really good coach. I think he would have been a really good fit. And he brings defensive-mindedness to a team that, you know, they need it. And when Steve Nash was fired and immediately Shams reported that he was not just the candidate, he was the only candidate as the replacement, it kind of seemed like a done deal and it kind of felt like justice, you know? I like Ime. I want him to succeed. I want him to have another shot. And to me, I was like, all right, he serves his little stinky suspension, and then he goes back to our regular scheduled programming, which is him in the front of a bench doing what he does, win. And then it wasn't. After a week of silence, they said he was supposed to be on the road trip to D.C. He was going to be on a private plane. And then the Kyrie thing happened, and we had radio silence. You had Adam Silver. You had all these news reports being like, people are mad that the Nets are considering Ime Udoka. Women are mad. Everyone's mad. And it's like, yeah, and Kyrie's being dropped by Nike. There's a million things he has to do to get back onto the court. They're not winning games. And then you're like, all right, well, we're not a contender, so why even deal with this bullshit? Right? And now you got the new coach brought in, and they're like, yeah, we should just maybe just make Jacques Vaughn the full-time head coach. He has guided the Nets through many tumultuous times, and I think he will get his chance, and it's a good thing. My guy, Jake Fisher, friend of show, wrote a detailed article on the hiring, and this is what it said. Jacques Vaughn was someone that a lot of people in the organization and a lot of people on the coaching side believe should have gotten a chance at this job after the bubble in 2020 before they hired Steve Nash to begin with. Yes. So on one hand, it wasn't a shock. On the other, you know, poor Ime Udoka. Honestly, he'll get another shot. Maybe he'll coach in Chicago or something. Uh, they're going to fire Billy Donovan. Or maybe he'll get a coach. At one point, he was on the Philadelphia 76ers bench. And guess whose butt is hot right now? Doc Rivers. So maybe he'll coach the Philadelphia 76ers. Fisher notes that Yudoka's hire was a foregone conclusion and that Vaughn was fine with that. In fact, when they started on their recent road trip, he had no clue that he would even be a possibility to get the job. But then they started winning, and their defense started picking up four games in a row that the Nets held opponents under 100 points. Even the Knicks, who are scoring 115, 118. Loud voices, some rumors claim Adam Silver was one of them, warning against hiring Ime, the cancerous, poisonous, potential coach to women. It's a fucking strange, strange beat, but that's where we're at. Vaughn had a great answer when he was asked if he felt like he was a second choice. He said, well, I guess I was the write-in candidate. 
in the minds of the elections right now, but I'm okay with that. I said to my wife, I might not have been her first choice either. And we've been together 20 years. Yeah, I love him. I love him. Also, his beard is so gray from 2020 to now. He looked like he was my age, and now he looks like he's my mom's age. So God bless him. He deserves some sort of level of job security, some boost in pay. Hope they're giving him more money. Uh, even Jake Fisher, who's well-connected, as anyone says, exactly why Vaughn got the job and not Udoka is still, quote-unquote, murky. Man, we're going to be hearing about this one for a long time, I am sure. A uh, couple of things I think are worth highlighting on this. I think Vaughn should have gotten the job after taking the, the team to the bubble. Um, he's beloved across the NBA. That's what Fisher said, and I think that's true. He's widely hailed as a brilliant communicator. He's about as genuine as they come. Um, in which plenty of dogs have eaten other dogs, right? He continues to stay alive. Staying alive in this business, very important. Uh, Great dude. I think he's going to get a fair shake. I don't think this is a rented seat. I think he, if he continues to have this team locked in and playing well, and listen, KD's endorsement is very meaningful. He said more about Vaughn last night after the win against the Knicks, blowout win against the Knicks, more than he's ever said about Steve Nash, who he considered his Yoda right? So he's never said, yeah, he's got us all clicking. He's got us bought into his schemes. Have you ever heard Katie say that about Steve Nash? Not a fucking word. Uh, second, I feel for Ime Udoka. This is, uh, this is not good. I think he got hammered by his team, and this time he was just sitting at home. He's the coach in waiting, and now he's not. He doesn't even know what's happening. He's literally just sitting there, and then the tides are changing before his very eyes. The sand is just slipping through the cracks of his fingers, the whispers of the due diligence was not fast enough on the net side. I don't even know what that means. We're going to just move on. Hopefully things will quiet down in Brooklyn. Maybe not. Maybe Kyrie will just be released. Kyrie has been released by Nike. Now Phil Knight's saying things about that. Maybe we'll talk about that more in detail. But can they win a chip with KD in this supporting cast? I don't think it. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I'm very curious to see how Vaughn manages his team. And remember, they got $35 million in cap space after this offseason starts. Can't have a show, apparently, without a Kyrie Irving update. This time, it's about his standing connection with Nike. Following the passing of Kobe, people have been migrating over to Kyrie's shoes. And he makes phenomenal basketball shoes. I think, and I've said this long before, Kyrie, top three basketball shoe in history. Just really good shoe. Outside of the Kyrie 6, Kyrie Irving shoes, elite. That bridge now is burned. Kyrie's shoes are now all out the window. Anti-Semitism controversy swirling around Kyrie has caused Philly Phil, my uncle. He's not really my uncle, but, you know, we went to the same school. Oregon, go Ducks, quack, quack. But Uncle Phil has cut ties with Kyrie. Not just Nike, mind you, but the Godfather himself is weighing in on it, being like, yeah, I blessed it. He's fucking out. We're done. See you later. I'm good. Uh, Nike suspended the deal with Kyrie, and Phil said this on CNBC. Kyrie stepped over the line. I doubt that we would go back, but I don't know for sure. Then he says this. Uh, I was good with it. I was good with the move. He stepped over the line. And I was good with it. I I don't know for sure is a very interesting piece because I do know for sure. I think it's hard for Nike to pick up that relationship again. Unless Kyrie says, listen, I, I thought 
I thought I was uh, thought I was being really smart, and I was being really dumb, and I was just trying to explore my heritage, and that uh, caused me to downgrade other people's heritage. And you know what? That was foul of me. And I'm just not going to say anything anymore. I'm just going to hoop and I'm going to sell shoes. I don't even think that gets it done. Because the more Kyrie gets backed into a corner, the more stubborn and absolutely um, just very vocal that he gets. It's a shame. It's a shame. Those Kyrie basketball shoes are fire. I've got a pair in the crib. I'm going to continue to wear those, though. from around the NBA, around the league, in news that went way under the radar. And I mean way under. The Mexico City Capitanes began their second G League season this week. I have to confess, I didn't even know it was already a G League team until now. Like right this second. Last year, due to COVID, they were forced to play out of Fort Worth, so this was their first actual game in Mexico itself and you know what it's going to change the nba forever why why you say one word expansion adam silver is trying to take this nba thing to the gba not the national basketball association but apparently the global basketball association because he wants to put a team south of the border folks the kickoff to the capitane season was a part of a two-stage process by the nba to push to promote to sell the nba in mexico the first stage was the inaugural game for mexico city the latest g league franchise and the first ever in mexico adam silver has long wanted to tap into the mexican market and now he has a foothold in the fourth city fourth largest city in the world it's pretty pretty important pretty big uh, players are already raving about the facilities, including the Arena CD in Mexico, which is pretty lit. Seats 16,500, 8,000 for G League games. And the second stage is an actual NBA game that's taking place in Mexico City between the Spurs, a team that's already got strong Mexican fan base, in December. And this is going to be an annual thing, apparently. Huge event. Mark Spears from Anscape, a subsidiary of ESPN, was just down there. He reported this on the Hoop Collective. He said everything feels really good. He said it was actually better than Beverly Hills down there, which is pretty stunning. All of this is taking place against the backdrop of the NBA expansion because Adam Silver recently came out and said it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the league will expand. And we are not talking about tomorrow. This is kind of like Game of Thrones when you know it's coming, but it's like seven years away. Everybody's talking about it. Oh, when will we see Jon Snow? Will John, is Jon Snow alive or is Jon Snow actually dead? I saw uh, the, red, the red woman. What was her name? The Red Witch or whatever. I saw her in his room. Does that mean, uh, does that mean he's coming back to life? It's like, bro, we're not going to know until like four years from now. We won't know until there's a new president elected. Why are we talking about this? Because it's fun to speculate. So the NBA is getting an expansion team, but it's probably not until like 2027, right? It's obvious that the league wants to expand into the Spanish-speaking world. This is why their Mexico City moves are getting tons of push. I don't. I think this is going to be very high priority. Seattle is a lock as well since they stole a team from the team up north. 
Uh, the Sonics bolted down to OKC. Where does that leave Vegas? Vegas seems like a lock as well. So you have three spots when the league wants to expand, and then you have to give balance to the conferences. So that means there must be four spots on the table, doesn't there? Hmm. What would that fourth spot be? Apparently, possibly San Jose, another Spanish-speaking market, one of the fastest-growing cities in the United States for what reason, I do not know. Uh, But that brings up another issue that not enough people are talking about. Does the league actually have enough quality players to flesh out two expansion teams, let alone four expansion teams? Because that means an extra 30 to 60 NBA players. How many more truly elite basketball players are there out there just sitting on couches, not playing in the NBA, playing overseas, playing in G Leagues? On the top of my head, here's a short list of players either in the G League, playing overseas, or unsigned free agents I think that would definitely get a look. We can count them. So we've got Dwight Howard, who's playing in Taiwan. We know he can play. He was just playing. Carl Malo Anthony, he was just playing. Unsigned free agent. Boogie Cousins, unsigned free agent. As an aside... He wants to play back in Sacramento. We will see about that. But Taco Fall played in the NBA, unsigned free agent. Don't know he would get a lot of run, but he would make up a roster spot for sure. Greg Monroe played in Milwaukee on the G League, on the Go-Go's, unsigned free agent. Hassan Whiteside just played in an NBA team. A lot of centers. Just want to point that out. A lot of big men. Uh, Probably not all going to the four teams. Uh, Ennis Freedom, another big man, unsigned free agent. Dante Exum, Europe. Kevin Pangos, Europe. Tomas Sadoransky, didn't even know he was out of the league, really. Europe. Uh, Carson Edwards, Europe. Bialicia, probably not going to go back from Europe because he just left the NBA to go to Europe, but he could make a team. Uh, Vasily Micic, Europe. OKC writes. Rokas Jokabetis, Europe. New York Knicks writes. Mike James, just a shit talker about, about Kyra, uh, Steph Curry, Europe. But there's one wrench in the plan, though. Windhorse reported that the recent sale of the Denver Broncos impacts the NBA market as well because it sold for $4.65 billion. That opened up a lot of eyes about how much sports teams are really worth. Wendy said, There's starting to be some rumblings of some NBA owners maybe looking to sell. The market is getting ripe for NBA owners to sell. The Broncos set a new North American record after selling for $4.65 billion in June. This could carry over to the NBA as well. And the upcoming collective bargaining agreement and the new rights deal could help values grow even more. There might be some folks sitting on the sidelines sort of wondering, like, should I sell? And they're going to see these numbers. Keep in mind this, too. The Fenway Group is putting the English Premier League soccer team Liverpool also on the market. Think about that. Initially, it was reported that the team was for sale for $4 billion. but rumors are that it might go for as much as $6 billion. If that happens, you would imagine there's going to be a lot of NBA owners saying, if I can get $2, million, $2 billion more than asking, maybe it's time for me to get on out before this bubble pops. Well, and then I need a Braun and you have KD who say they want to own teams. They're, they've got unlimited money. They could probably buy a team for $7 billion. It's a safe bet. There's going to be multiple teams changing hands in the coming years. What that means for the league remains to be seen. Uh, T-Wolves. Let's move on on them. Nothing more than I uh, that I love than being ahead of the news cycle. So I sensed my breakdown of the Wolves about 10 days ago. Now everybody's on board. Go Bear trade sucks. Fucking sucks. 
people now saying this is the worst trade in NBA history. It's only been 10 games, by the way. I saw it after two. The Wolves' woes, most of it stems from the fact that their starting lineup is statistically the worst in the NBA. Uh, We talked about this last episode as well. Ant Edwards addressed that in a post-game presser. He says our starting five, all minuses, minus 18, minus 12, minus 14. Their whole starting five, plus 20, plus, that's crazy. Our bench, plus, plus, plus. That's the story now of the year. The bench is playing great because they play as a team. The starters suck because they all have egos. We know that. Uh, But Chris Finch says that he's changing lineups now. Mm, We consider changing lineups and rotations all the time, but I don't know if we feel 100% confident that this is the problem. But we are going to shuffle the deck with the starting lineup, but I'm not there yet. What does that even mean? Uh, Not 100% confident. You have a starting lineup with a net rating of minus 5 over 100% per 100 possessions that scores 97 points per 100 possessions that's worse than the Lakers I would think that that is probably priority one I will do a deep dive into Carl Anthony Towns because he's the worst um but on be on the lookout for that but if you're a Wolves fan when your head coach is saying that the starting lineup isn't the problem when it is 100% the problem then maybe he is the problem that is concerning uh let's move on Michael Porter Jr. man he's a fascinating dude One of the nice surprises to start the season has been his performance. He's been plagued with injuries, as you guys know. He fell down the draft board from Mizzou because of his back issues, and then he had more issues with his back, and now he's back, back. As an aside, I don't even want to tell you about his three-point prop because it's probably just going to continue to go up if I give it out, but if you can get it at two or more, it is just an automatic lock right now. Anyway, off the court. He's had a bit of a rough week. He got a bunch of shit stolen in his hotel room during a recent game to the tune of a lot of money. What did the thieves steal? This part was very interesting to me. They stole money? Yes. Okay. They stole a gold bracelet? Yes. Okay. Uh, Two Louis Vuitton bags? Yeah, I got that. And uh, a Bible. A Bible? Wait. What? Yes, they stole this man's Bible with his notes in it and everything. He had pages earmarked. What is a man to do? Like, you can't can't leave your fucking Bible in the hotel room. By the way, there's another Bible that's not his in just every single hotel drawer. Everybody knows that. If you wanted a Bible, you don't have to steal his personal possessions. His Bible? You stole his Bible? Let's face it, man. That's weird. That's fucking weird. What what thief goes into a hotel room and is like, yeah, let's get this Bible. Yo, that one has a leather binding on it. It's like the early edition OG Bible. Like This one's hard, super rare. I can't even get it on Amazon. I don't even, uh, which kind of Bible, how rare could a Bible be? Is it like the King James first edition? Not the LeBron James first edition, but the King James first edition. I have a friend who's a publisher. He doesn't even bother to lock his car when he goes to trade shows because he says, and I quote, there is nothing on earth safer from being stolen than a box of books. And you steal a Bible? Jesus Christ. I'm not a fan of break-ins. 
someone broke into my car actually right outside of the studio. And and what they steal? They stole a blanket. An Ugg blanket. I had clothes in there, shoes in there, a basketball in there. I don't know, like a pair of headphones in there. Nope, they didn't steal any of that. They stole a blanket. So my thoughts go out to MPJ because, like, you can replace money. You can replace a couple of Louis Vuitton bags. But, like, his OG probably had it since he was four years old. Bible has every verse highlighted that he goes back to when he's in certain moments of adversity. Oh, yeah, let's go to John 316. That's on page this one. I got this one highlighted. Oh, yeah, there's additional lines of scripture that I made notes on. Oh, yeah, remember this. Like, now he's got to go back through the Bible and find all that shit out new, fresh pages. Got to sort that out. What's that going to be? A special Bible? That shit means something. All right, moving forward. Derek Rose, I need to let you know. This is a very pro Derek Rose podcast. Love him. I know that he's been hated on. I know he's been slandered, but not here. We love D. Rose. Nothing was cooler than him and Tibbs having the love connection that they've had. I love it. They are like... They are like peas and carrots, right? They And he literally put the Knicks on their back. He They didn't even have a point guard. It was like a manual quickly season, and he was like, nah, I got this. They, he carried them to the playoffs pretty much just on one knee alone. And then, as sadly has been the case for him, his body breaks down last year. He has to sit on the bench, which probably makes the injury worse. You know, when you have a bad back, bad knee, you're sitting down. If you've ever had a bad knee and you've had to sit in a car or on a plane, you know what I'm fucking talking about. And so now they brought in Jalen Brunson. Now there's no room, really, for D. Rose anymore. And not surprisingly, because D. Rose is who D. Rose is, they ask him about it, and they're like, hey, have you talked to Tibbs about the fact that you don't get to play anymore? Your guy, the guy that's like peas and carrots with you. Have you asked Tibbs, like, hey, Tibbs, um, am I going to see the floor anymore or what? He was like, no, I'm letting everybody be. The last guy he wants to hear from is the guy who's been in the league for 15 years going in complaining and bitching. I'm just trying to give everybody the space. I'm in the unknown. He doesn't even care. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to see how it goes. We're just going to let it be. <laughs> when I get in, when I get in. It's like kind of like me and my Saturday shows on WFN. When I get in, I get in. I'm not even going to ask. I'm fine. We're good. We'll see how it goes. How do you not love D-Rose? No wonder Tibbs just cannot do any team stuff without penciling D-Rose's name in. He is just like the last, he's not even like close to a diva compared to the guy that we saw as the MVP for the Chicago Bulls back in the day. Like, I love D-Rose, and this is exactly why. I don't know how much is in the tank for D-Rose, but I have to believe that in the playoffs, if they get into the playoffs, he can come in, give you a good 10, 15 minutes. Smart basketball, good decision-making basketball. And if he does that, he get another two, year, two, three years left in the league. I think the Knicks in the league are better with D-Rose in, in the league. I think we need to have a talk about NBA Twitter. It's under fire. It's under attack right now. You didn't even know that, did you? Have you almost eaten the trash in the last 48 hours since Elon Musk took over? I bet you have. I bet you saw something from from Adrian Warja Janow, Janowski, Warja Janowski, and you're like, is that really Woj or is it not Woj? This is the bomb. This is the nope. Uh, that's no. That's the that's not even Woj. Nope. That fuck that. Come on now. Elon Musk is jumbling up Twitter to the point where we can't even trust Twitter to be Twitter anymore. 
blue checks for you. You get a blue check. You get a blue check. You get a blue check. Come on. I thought that this shit was safe. I almost got taken by a fake Woj bomb saying that the Nets had released Kyrie Irving. Same photo, same blue check, 16,000 likes, and fake as fuck. Bullshit, I think. Very bullshit. If I can't trust Woj, a a blue check mark Woj with 16,000 likes, what can I trust? You know what I mean? What can I trust? I can't trust a man. If I can't trust a Woj account with a blue check mark and 16,000 likes saying that Kyrie Irving was released, then who, what can I trust? Can't trust my Bible to be in a hotel room without getting stolen, I'll tell you that. I have no idea what's happening with Twitter. All I know is you got to click on every single account and you got to be sleuth and you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to make sure it's being retweeted by the right people and then you got to make sure that you don't retweet it before other people that you trust retweet it or you just end up eating the trash. If he fucks up NBA Twitter for me, I'm going to be so mad. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. Check out the feed. Past episodes, mini episodes, we're dropping them all the time. Got to make sure you look out. Make sure you subscribe so that they send alerts to your screen and they say, alert, alert, there's a new Heat Check episode. Uh, Also, do not forget to download. Do not forget to subscribe. Please tell all of your friends. And make sure you follow us on social at at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. Big shout out to my producer, Nick Berlansky, making sure this shit sounds tight and right for y'all. And thank you again for listening. Super appreciated. 